Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Kevin Chow. Kevin is a real estate investor based in Sacramento. And on this episode, Kevin will tell us about his very first real estate investing flip project that he completed during the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, Kevin will tell us how he got into real estate investing and how he completed his first flip, including what he did to set himself up for success, including networking, saving his capital, and consuming as much real estate investing content as he possibly could. He's one of the few people who have reached out to me who have actually done something with that information and has completed his own project. So I'm very, very happy to have him on our show today. And if you are a brand new investor, thinking of how you can get into flipping houses, you definitely need to listen to this episode. This episode is sponsored by Conventus. Conventus is a hard money lending company based in the Bay Area that can finance deals in over 30 states across the nation. So if you're looking for a hard money loan for your fix and flip projects or for a long-term loan for one of your rental properties, contact me at sean at everythingrei.com to get the process started. And now let's hop right into the interview. All right, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. All right, what's up, Sean? Uh Thanks for having me on. My name is Kevin Chow, and I'm a part-time real estate investor based out of Sacramento, California. Currently do have a full-time job at the state, and I've uh, been with them now for, you know, about eight years. You know, my real estate journey started, you know, just about a little over a year or so ago. So I still consider myself, you know, just a student, you know, but at the same time, you know, just really excited, you know, to be here to share with you, you know, just some of the experiences and fortunately, uh, you know, some of the small successes that we've attained. I mean, I'm super excited to have you on because you just did your first flip project in Sacramento. And I want to go over all the details about how that project went, because I think everyone has their own story when it comes to you know, their first rehab, all the good things that happened, all the bad things that happened. Uh, but before we get into that, how did you even get into real estate and more specifically in the flipping space? Yeah, most definitely. You know, and before I get into that, I personally just wanted to give you, you know, a shout out, Sean. You know, thank you so much, you know, for everything that you do for the NorCal real estate investing community. You know, definitely, you know, for someone like myself, you know, who was just getting started. And I think, you know, for even for some of our listeners here, you know, who are brand new and they might just kind of be, you know, on the cusp of, you know, getting started. You know, I was, you know, just like a lot of you guys, you know, not really knowing what to do. And, you know, I just feel very, very fortunate, you know, to have had the opportunity to personally meet you, Sean, and just through our our, uh, you know, mutual friends, you know, in the Bay Area. So definitely uh, just express my gratitude for everything you've done. Yeah, no worries, man. Yep. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, you know, going into it, just, you know, for myself, for the longest time, you know, I've always said that I wanted to get into real estate. You know, I was always looking for a side hustle, you know, a way to generate extra income. But, you know, just kind of being in my early 20s at the time, I was a little bit short-sighted, a little bit stubborn, you know, so uh, I wasn't really set up properly, you know, to be able to take on an opportunity, even if it came. But what I will say is that just with my genuine desire of wanting to accumulate wealth and success, you know, it did lead me to a lot of unique experiences, you know, throughout my 20s that did help me become prepared. So now that I'm a little bit more mature, you know, it's easier for me to seek out those opportunities as they come. I'd say that my first real milestone in real estate was purchasing, you know, my own primary residence, you know, with my girlfriend. And that was about two years ago. Definitely a shout out to her, you know, as well for, uh, you know, giving me that extra push, you know, to, you know, to really be fully committed, you know, to my goals and to really to take the action, you know, to make that a reality. I'd say that wasn't really until I was about 28, you know, that my actions became really in alignment, you know, with the goals that I had set for myself. And I know this isn't uh, real estate, but, you know, just as an example, like open up a stock portfolio and, uh, you know, I started investing because I knew that, you know, if I, if I really wanted to get into real estate and I wanted to really seriously pursue this, this avenue that, you know, requires capital, you know, which is really anything, you know, you have to be able to take that first step, 
you know, to drastically, you know, start changing your lifestyle and, you know, just start building those good habits. And I say all this, you know, just because, you know, it's all about the setup, right? It's your mindset and how you prepare for anything. And that's so important because it's just kind of like your guiding force, you know, as you pursue your, you know, through your journey in any kind of endeavor. So yeah, I'd say about 15 months ago. So it was about summertime last June, a close friend of mine who I also believe, you know, uh, his name is Don Trung. Uh, we connected and you know, I saw that he was doing some things out in the Bay Area and, you know, doing real estate. So, I, you know, I hooked up with him and that was, you know, how I got connected to uh, the Stronger Moms community. So I think uh, you're familiar with them as well. Tom Tran and Ken Trung, uh, those guys, just some of the most hardworking guys, you know, really down to earth and, you know, learned a lot from them. So that entire summer, my girlfriend and I, we literally drove from Sacramento all the way out, you know, to Santa Clara, San Jose, you know, every single weekend, you know, just learning, meeting up with them, networking, just you know, soaking it all in, you know, we were just hungry. So, you know, we spent time, you know, just analyzing deals and, you know, running comps and, you know, looking at the financing and just, you know, every single aspect of it. And, you know, we were fortunate enough, you know, to even check out, you know, some of their projects, you know, so we were able to even get a little bit hands-on, get our hands and feet dirty and stuff. So, yeah. I remember they had those like, come here and help demolition on some more projects. And also I remember meeting you for the first time in person at the Redwood City House when they had their open house tour there. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think some key points that you mentioned here are that if you want to get into it, you can't just start from nowhere, right? You need to set yourself up for success. And I think what you did was really great. Like before you even went into your first deal, you surrounded yourself with a community of people who could be there to help guide you if you had any questions or problems that could arise. And also you started saving money and you started to budget better and you learned how to invest in something smaller like stocks. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just felt like, you know, like I was saying earlier, the setup is really important, right? And just, you know, really preparing yourself because, you know, I'm, you know, a little bit more conservative by nature, right? I want to make sure that, you know, I'm crossing my T's, dotting my I's. I want to be really, really sure, you know, with, you know, with what I'm doing before I really make that, you know, before I make that big purchase, right? That big commitment. Because, you know, like they always say, right? Real estate, you know, the house you buy, it's probably, you know, the biggest purchase that you'll make in your life. And, you know, that's true, you know, for, um, the majority of the people out there, but you know, for us as real estate investors, we're going to be doing this time and time and time again. That's right. So I think it's really important, right. That we really just understand and, and get our foundation set up, you know, before we really start, you know, taking those actionable steps. So, yeah. I mean, when you're selling your flip project, I bet the people who are looking at the house were like, Oh my God, it's so expensive. But it looks so nice. And they're <laughs> like, I don't know if my budget can handle it. And you're like, dude, I do it all the time. I sold $2 million properties in the past. No big deal. Don't worry. You'll get there very soon. Yeah, most definitely. We're, we're definitely excited for that. Yep. So go ahead and tell me your story of how you even got this first project. You were going to the Stronger Moms meetups all the way down in South Bay, even though you live two and a half hours away in Sacramento. And then after, I guess, a few months of learning how to analyze deals, you felt comfortable enough to get it on the deal. Yeah, exactly. You know, just like you said, after spending a couple of months, you know, with uh, the Stronger Moms team, you know, I really wanted to implement this, you know, as fast as I could, right? You know, the energy and the excitement was high, right? So when I got back to Sacramento, I just wanted to start getting this into practice. So, you know, I uh, started going just online and I just started looking for deals, right? I, you know, went on social media, <laughs> I went on uh, Zillow and, you know, I didn't really have that many resources at the time. I just, you know, utilized, you know, whatever the team, you know, taught me. But one really cool thing that they mentioned that is simple and easy and it's free too, is to just reach out to agents. So 
that's exactly what I did. You know, I just got on the phone and I started calling agents or even, you know, just through like Facebook and social media, like there were agents and people that I randomly, you know, I was, I was friends with and I didn't even know they were, they were agents and I just messaged them. I just said, Hey, you know, my name's Kevin, I'm a local real estate investor. And she helped me find a deal. And that worked like a charm. <laughs> that's awesome. And then so eventually they gave you something. Why did you think this was a good deal? Yeah, you know, so basically we, you know, work with a couple of agents and then this one agent brought this particular deal to us. I thought it was in a good neighborhood because, you know, there's certain pockets in Sacramento, right, that, you know, just are more desirable than others, right, obviously. And this particular house, it was uh, located, I'd say probably about 15 minutes away, you know, from downtown Sacramento. We also had really easy access, you know, to highway. We were also really close, you know, to Sac State, right, which is one of like the largest commuter, you know, campuses, you know, um, in the area. So you just kind of had it all, right? Yeah, so we took a look at it. We toured it. Of course, we analyzed the numbers and we decided that, you know, after we did that, it you know, at least it met our criteria, right? And we thought that, you know, the margin was wide enough that we could take a stab at it. You know, let's, you know, we can put in an offer. And I mean, hey, worst case scenario, right? You know, we don't get it, but, you know, no harm, no foul. Can you talk about the financials that you had going into a project like this? Yeah, so, you know, this, this particular deal, it was actually listed at 330 at the time. And we ended up uh, negotiating them down, I think, to, to about 310, 309. So I think that's what we end up, ended up getting it for. So, you know, it was pretty straightforward, you know, 20% down. And uh, the rest, you know, was financed out through hard money, Conventus <laughs> in, uh, in particular. So thank you guys and Brenda, you know, for everything. Just it was a really, really smooth and easy process. And, you know, again, being doing this for the very first time, the fact that it was simple and it was easy and, you know, just it was kind of in and out. And we were able to, uh, to close on the deal in about uh, 10 days, I would say. It was either 10 days or two weeks, but either way, really, really quick and smooth. That's, you know, what was, that's what I thought was really cool about it. Did you have to get any like rehab financing or did you have cash for that? Yeah, so we, we, we had our own money set aside, you know, you know, to do our renovations. We had about 40000 uh, budgeted for, uh, for this particular project. And then how did you go about finding your crew, your contractors to work on this project for you? Yeah, so basically, well, what had happened was I was so excited, right, earlier, as I was mentioning, right, when I came back to SAC, I was like, hey, I want to do this, right? So I started talking, you know, to, you know, just to some of my close buddies, telling them, hey, you know, I'm going to try and, you know, do something kind of in the real estate space. And, you know, just one conversation led to another. And it basically led me to, you know, one of my close friends, uh, you know, Jay Ving, or joint venturing with me, you know, on this deal together. So he is a lot more hands-on than me, <laughs> and he's willing to take that on. And, you know, he just really has an eye for design. So we kind of thought, hey, you know, we could kind of balance each, out, each other out. Um, I'm able to go and, you know, to look for the deals and kind of do the number crunching. And he can kind of handle the, you know, the renovations and, uh, you know, the design and, you know, just kind of picking out, you know, all of, you know, the finishings and that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, we did uh, actually have a couple of contractors come out and give us bids. Uh, they kind of gave us a range, you know, so we ended up spending a little bit, you know, more time than we had wanted, you know, kind of dissecting and, you know, sort of figuring out, you know, again, being that this was the first time we were doing this, just kind of figuring out, okay, where can we, you know, save a little bit more? And, you know, where do we absolutely must, you know, have someone come and do the work for us, you know, and have it hired out. So I would say that, you know, down the road, um, you know, if we were to do something similar again, you know, we, we obviously we would have to, you know, kind of get that smooth out a little bit better. So your friend was basically acting as like a project manager and general contractor, and you would only find subs for the few things that your friend didn't know how to do. Yeah, pretty much. And then what was like the scope of work? 
this, I mean, this particular project, it was a three bed, two bath, about 1500 square feet, you know, built in the late seventies. So it was really, it was really straightforward in the sense that it's just mainly just cosmetics, right? Cosmetic updates. So, you know, of course the kitchen, uh, bathrooms, floors, paint, right? Uh, we kind of went back and forth on the roof, you know, for a while, but, you know, we ended up deciding not to do the roof, but, you know, all in all, it was pretty straightforward in the sense of, you know, just a cosmetic update. And what was that timeline like? You know, this is one of the things, you know, that when you first start out, right, you can't really gauge, right, how much time is going to be needed. I, I initially thought, and because we acquired the property uh, last November, you know, so we took a couple of months right after the summer and we spent some time looking for deals, right? And then it wasn't until after, I would say it wasn't after Thanksgiving until, you know, we actually, it was like a day or two after Thanksgiving, we closed on the deal. And I was thinking to myself, okay, well, most, uh, you know, cosmetic renovations, you know, should be about 60 to 90 days. And, you know, and then factoring in the amount of time that it's going to be listed on the market for, we thought, okay, four months is reasonable. And gosh, who would have known, right, <laughs> that COVID and the entire pandemic, you know, came, came down upon us. And uh, that definitely set us back. And, you know, we were even at a point where we thought, okay, do we need to change up our strategy? Do we need to maybe take a step back and say, hey, do we want to just refinance out of the hard money deal and maybe find a tenant instead? And that was the conversation that me and my partner, we were having. And I told him, I said, you know, we have to just give it a shot, right? I mean, obviously we're kind of in an unprecedented, you know, period of time right now, but, you know, I wanted to at least give us a chance, right? And to finish the work so then that we can put it on the market and just kind of see what it can command at the time. So, you know, we ended up sticking through it. I'd say we didn't actually finish until about the end of June. So we pretty much doubled up on, on our time frame. So how did COVID exactly like delay your project? Were you forced to stop work or something? You know, we weren't necessarily forced to stop work. I think it was just, we were a little bit phased mentally. You know what I mean? You know, we just, we weren't a hundred percent sure, you know, if, you know, we'd be able to, you know, if we'd be able to continue right um, in the sense of, okay, like, are we going to be able to have exactly right? Are we going to be able to have people come out and, you know, finish right. You know, certain projects and things for us just kind of the, the confidence, right, that we had right in the market and how things would shake out. Obviously, we weren't really sure. So it was basically just me and him kind of just, you know, kind of having these pep talks with each other saying, hey, man, you know, we just got to do our best and push through. We might not know exactly, you know, what's going to unfold or happen tomorrow, but, you know, we should definitely try and at least follow through with, with our original plan. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to have a partner with you, especially during times mm-hmm. like these, because when things are uncertain, it's good to have someone to have that feedback with, to at least cheer each other up or I guess wallow in despair together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, I just thought it'd be cool at the same time because we kind of balance each other out. Right. He definitely is the more hands-on guy and I'm a little bit, you know, more passive about things, but one way or another, I think we knew that we had uh, a common goal, which was we got to get this house, you know, we got to get this project right finished and put on the market. So that's what we ended up doing. So, after June, when you guys finished the project, what was the entire process like to put it on the market? And how was you know, the, the market uh, during this whole pandemic? And I'll be really honest with you, Sean, I think we were really, really fortunate, you know, just with the way of how everything played out, especially being in this COVID, you know, atmosphere, because we finished, like I said, you know, I was telling my partner, I said, dude, we got to get this thing done right by the end of June. Cause we, you know, at first it was like, okay, it was April and then it was May and then it was June. And then you completely just lose your, your scope of work and your timeline. So I'm like, okay, we need to just kind of buckle down. Right. And just get it done. So we finished at the end of June 
And I got in touch, actually, the agent who, who helped us list our finished product was not the person who helped us find the deal. So, and this was actually, again, you know, just someone that I stayed in touch with, you know, kind of from the beginning when we were looking for deals, you know, she didn't help me find a deal, but she ended up helping me list and sell, you know, our, our deals. So, which I thought was pretty cool. And, you know, she was really mad at real quick. Why did you decide to use a different agent than the one that helped you buy this property? I thought the guy who helped us find the deal, I thought he was really genuine. I just wasn't sure, you know, if he, you know, had the exact skill set and qualifications, you know, to help us get the house, you know, on the market and sold as, you know, quick as possible, right? Because at that point in the beginning of July, when we listed it, we're like, okay, the market's hot, right? But just, I didn't quite sense the confidence from him that, you know, he, you know, could necessarily, you know, just, you know, help us get it taken care of. So, and it's, and it's absolutely no offense to him, you know, just, we wanted to just go in a different direction. When you uh, purchased this property with him, were you like, did you ever have a promise saying, oh, we'll list it with you? You know, we had, we had talks, you know, he did mention, uh, that agent did mention to us that, you know, he might be able to get us a discount and just kind of like things kind of fell through, right? We were kind of trying to negotiate, kind of talk about commission splits and things like that. And it just sort of at the end, I kind of wasn't hearing and getting the things that I thought, you know, he would be able to, to promise to us, you know, so the person who did end up helping us out was really generous in the sense that, you know, she gave us, you know, a, you know, a percentage, you know, that we were comfortable with and, you know, just some extra perks, right? Like she included staging and she was able to help us, you know, with photos and, and VR and all that good stuff. So I think we were really lucky that she was able to help us all out with that. That's great. You know, some of the tactics that a lot of the, I guess, more experienced investors use is they get the agents to work with them by promising them that triple listing. Like, oh, if you have, if you're a seller's agent, then you can represent us as the buyer and then you can represent us again as a listing agent. But then again, there are some other investors who are like, you can't just promise another agent your listing because they could screw it up. And just because they're good at finding you deals doesn't mean they're good at selling your project, your property, right? Because they help you buy a deal at a fat discount. Maybe they'll sell your property at a fat discount to someone else too. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's great. So your, your agent helped you with the staging and helped you with the photos as well. How long was your property on the market and what was the final outcome? Yeah. So this was, you know, why I was saying we were really fortunate because we literally got the house listed July 3rd, right? So the day before Independence Day, 4th of July, right? And that entire weekend, I think they told us we had maybe like eight showings, right? Throughout that, that long weekend. And then by that following Monday, the 7th, so literally the house was on the market for like three, four days, we went pending. <laughs> um, and we had, yes, and we had two offers. So our agent was able to help us negotiate two offers. And those offers came in, gosh, I would say they were already at about 15K above listing price. So, so we listed at, at 419. And the two offers that came back were both pretty identical, right? They both came back at the same price. Um, the only difference was just, you know, the way of how, you know, they were financing, um, right? One was conventional, the other one was an FHA. Right. So obviously we had a little bit more confidence, right. With the conventional, you know, they had, you know, really, you know, good credit and history and all that stuff. So, you know, my partner and I, we were talking, we're like, man, we don't know who to choose. Right. Because they're, they look, they both look like great families, you know, great people. So we ended up going back, you know, to, uh, to our agent and we asked her, we said, Hey, you know, kind of help us distinguish, right. You know, who we should go with, because these are both like 
identical candidates, right? So she ended up, you know, kind of working things out and, you know, went back, you know, to, uh, you know, to the buyer's agent and kind of figured out, you know, if they had a little bit more room to go. And she came back and said, hey, let's, let's counter. Let's see if we can get another 4,000. And we said, okay, if you think it'll work, let's do it. So uh, we countered at 439 and then they, they accepted later that day. So that was our, our final outcome at, at 439. Oh, 439. Yeah, 439. Yes. Oh, wow. So that's like another like 20K above their original offer. Right. It, well, we listed it. We listed at, we listed at 419. Oh, you missed at 419. They came in got at 435. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's a great strategy actually, because I um, recently listed my property, right? And I've listed properties in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Every time you have a property that's going sold, I feel like you always need to send them a counter. Like in a buyer's mentality, if you just accept their first offer, they're going to be like, man, I offered too much. And then the whole escrow period, <laughs> they're going to be a pain in the ass. You know, they're going to be like, ah, yeah. oh, damn it. I paid too much. Let's see if we can get some seller's credit or negotiate back down. So it's great that you had two strong offers and you're able to negotiate back and get them to come back to what you want. Yeah. We were really, really fortunate. And this was probably like the ideal outcome, right? That you'd want to have being like a first time flipper. And cause I know that they don't always go that way. And I've heard definitely stories that they don't end up like that. And escrow is, you know, a pain in the butt sometimes. So how was that whole escrow process? Did everything go pretty smoothly? I think it, gone as smooth as it could have went. You know, I think uh, they, they basically did the appraisal. I think the appraisal, right, that's the key thing right there because they had all their other inspections, right? Their, uh, their homeowner's inspections and pests, right, and all that stuff. Uh, they did a roof inspection and then everything came out good. Then they had the appraisal. That took, that took a little bit longer, you know, so we were, you know, kind of like, ah, uh, you know, just we felt like we were kind of hanging like on the edge of a cliff, like, you know, what's going on, right? And then when they came back and they said that, yeah, it appraised that value, then that was kind of, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the big sigh of relief there. Yeah, so we ended up closing on July 31st. So that entire process took probably about three and a half weeks. I, I really, really felt that it couldn't have gone any smoother. So we were very fortunate. That's a pretty fast escrow considering like right now, there are so many applicants for loans because the mortgage rates are so low. So it's actually really hard to get an appraisal. What did the final numbers turn out to be? Like, did you spend $40,000 on your rehab or did it go a little bit higher than that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the budget, right, that we had set. So, so I was telling my partner, I said, hey, look, we need to try and keep it at 40K. And I think we were really diligent. That's why we spent a lot of time figuring out, okay, hey, you know, we're going to try and do all this in-house, right? And then just kind of the things that, you know, we couldn't handle on our own, right? Then we can just, you know, have subs, you know, come out and, you know, help us out. So that was generally you know what we did so we only went over i'd say probably about three four thousand so so i think our entire rental the actual number came out to like 43 44 thousand so i think we kept it in pretty decent shape and what about as far the as, loan amount how much did you spend for the use and privilege of using hard money <laughs> yeah so again and i think uh of course this is with you know having you know the privilege of knowing of knowing you and brenda right and just that opportunity you know, to be able to get us, you know, a, a very reasonable rate. Like I mentioned, we held the property for a lot longer than we had, than we, you know, we had anticipated. So uh, about eight months, right? So I think I'd say the interest was maybe like an extra 15K. You know, we had some holding costs, which was a couple thousand. You know, at the end, I think we walked away, you know, with, with a modest profit. Um, but another thing that I'll add, and I think, you know, a lot of people overlook 
you know, is that there's, you know, also taxes, right. And, and capital gains, right. That, you know, you have to pay, you know, outside of, you know, once, once all the transactions said and done, because while we were going through escrow, one of the things that, you know, they mentioned is that, Hey, you know, the state, you know, takes three and a third percent away, right. Off of your sale price. And I'm sure Sean, you're familiar with this and because this was our first time we didn't have an LLC or, you know, anything set up. That's another, that's another thing I'll, I will say that, you know, once the next deal comes, we definitely need to, you know, to have an LLC set up and really to just, you know, protect ourselves, right. You know, especially under, you know, this particular environment and landscape being that it was the first time we kind of waffled back and forth on it. We wanted to do it. And then we were like, nah, we're not going to do it, <laughs> you know? So then we were just kind of like, okay, whatever. And then finally at the end when we decided, okay, Hey, maybe we should. And then we realized, okay, it's going to take a couple extra weeks. And we thought, well, we don't want that to tie up, you know, our, you know, our escrow and, and push things farther back. That's really a great point. The California withholding with the franchise tax, that is a yes. surprise tax that I think mm-hmm. no one really knows until they actually sell a property and they say, what the hell is this? Um, exactly. Luckily, it's just withholding and they'll pay it back to you at the end of the year. So yeah. it's not like it's gone forever, but it does suck. And then I think there's also an option to, I think, only make it 12% of your profit if you can show your line items. So that way, yeah, exactly. you know, if obviously 3% is going to be more than your profit, you're paying out of pocket, then that's no good. What would you say are like your key lessons learned from this entire experience that you probably won't have again? Like you probably won't make those same mistakes <laughs> twice. Yeah. You know, one thing that I also, yeah, one thing I want to add to that is just also, you know, your, your dynamics, right. Working, you know, with your partner, obviously my partner is, you know, my longtime friend, you know, so we kind of know our personalities, you know, there's also times, right, when we're, you're never going to agree on everything, right? And there's some times where I felt like, well, you know, maybe, you know, we should have someone come help us take care of this. And, you know, you know, he may feel like, no, you know, maybe I think I can handle it myself, right? You know, so there were those little squabbles here and there, right? But just kind of at the end of the day, just make sure, right, that the partner, right, if you choose to have a partner, right, when you go into your venture, has the same goals and is in, you know, and is completely in alignment with what you want, right? Because the last thing that you would, you know, want to run into is someone, you know, who doesn't share your vision and, you know, completely goes in a different direction. And that can, you know, really get you into trouble. You know, I took a business school class on negotiation way back in college. And they're saying that for any contract with a friend, you know, JV contract, there needs to be a tiebreaker clause in there. Like, at some point, you guys are going to disagree right? There needs to be a clause somewhere that says someone gets the right to blah, 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 or something. And you should also have an exit clause because you may be best friends today, but what happens 10 years from now when something happens, there needs to be a way for someone to leave the partnership that's detailed out. Otherwise you're going to get into a huge lawsuit and it's going to be all bad. Yeah. The last thing that you want to do is to, you know, burn bridges and ruin your relationships, right? With your, with your longtime friends, right? So it's a fine line to walk on, but you know, sometimes it is what it is. So would you say that both you and your friend slash partner are still, you know, very good and you guys are happy, excited to do more like this? Yeah, you know, I think we're we're happy, right? We obviously, you know, we had some run-ins here and there, but just at the end of the day, you know, once the project's finished, right, we got the result that we wanted, right? Then there shouldn't really be any any extra issues. Other things, right? Uh, other points I would say is to to really make sure that you know, you have a really clear and defined scope of work and also the timeline. I think what really kind of caught, you know, really caught us off guard was, you know, the, 
amount of time, right? Like I mentioned, you know, that it would take, right, to get certain stages of the project complete. I had done a little bit more homework and research, right, in terms of, you know, how soon things could get done, you know, that probably would have helped us. And also just at the same time, when you're working with, you know, someone that you know, sometimes it's challenging, you know, to, you know, to get on them, right, you know, to, to necessarily, you know, get something done. It's, again, kind of like walking on that fine line of, you know, you don't want to treat, you know, your friend, you know, just like as a slave or someone be like, hey, you know, do this, do that, right, and all that, blah, blah, blah. But then we also have to, at the same time, respect that, you know, there is a timeline and, you know, this is, you know, a business and, hey, at the same time, we need to try and do our best, right, to meet our goals and to try to hold each other accountable. So that is definitely something that on the next go around, uh, we certainly, you know, should continue to hold each other accountable and then, and to do the best we can to meet our goals. How do you feel like differently compared to how you were a year ago before you did any projects? How do I feel? <laughs> Just yeah, like, I know, I feel like after you do your first one, you, people suddenly have this sense of confidence. It's like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I want to know, like, what are your thoughts and how do you feel compared to you, how you did last year? Yeah, you know, 15 months ago, I probably couldn't tell the difference between my butt and my elbow, right? When it comes to real estate, I knew nothing. <laughs> and now after completing our first deal, and again, you know, with a very fortunate outcome, yeah, I feel great. I, I definitely have gained, you know, a sense of confidence, uh, you know, and some pride too, you know, that, hey, like, we kind of came into this, not, you know, just completely, you know, from ground zero and just built ourselves up, you know, we just completely had to rely on ourselves, be resourceful. And that's why I think it's so great, you know, that, you know, like someone like yourself, you know, just being able to put out all this content, all this great information, because, you know, it, it really, really helped me. I didn't have like a guru or a mentor or, you know, somebody in particular that I could just go to and bounce ideas. So I spent a lot of my time, honestly, just, you know, watching YouTube and listening to podcasts and, you know, like, you know, bigger pockets and, you know, just wanted to be as resourceful as I, you know, as much as, as I could, right. So then I could just be you know, prepared. And definitely, like I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm still a student. I'm still in the beginning stages of building my real estate career. So I know that there's still a lot of networking. There's still a lot of folks out there. There's still a lot of strategies and ideas that, you know, I've yet to really immerse myself into. So, you know, uh, certainly looking, you know, for those opportunities to be able to formulate future partnerships, uh, you know, you know, dabble into, you know, different areas in the field. Yeah. I mean, you should definitely be very proud of yourself because you've done something that most people who contact us or, you know, we, we have chats and whatnot, they have dreams. They don't actually go through with it. They never actually do a deal. So congrats again for actually completing a deal and coming out with great experience and some profit. I also want to ask about what were your fears going into this project and how do you feel now about those same fears? You know, I think the fears that, that we had you know, is the most obvious one, right, is, you know, the property not meeting the ARV, right, that we had expected. So when I initially was doing the calculations, I thought, okay, well, this particular project, you know, could, you know, get an ARV of somewhere between 415 and maybe 425, right? So we were, we mentally, that was kind of our target, right? That's where we had it set. But then, you know, there's always the fear of, well, you know, what if it doesn't pan out that way, right? You know, what if, you know, just like, something happens to the market, right? And then we end up commanding a lower price, you know, so nobody wants to, you know, go red, right, you know, on their first deal. Um, so that was definitely something. But, you know, I don't know really how to say it. It's just when you make a commitment, and, you know, you 
put your best foot forward. The only thing you can do is just do the best you can and to kind of pray for, you know, the best outcome. I know that's probably not, you know, the best formula or strategy, but you know, that was just kind of the mentality that I had going into it. Hey, you know what, we're going to do, you know, our very, very best effort, right. And be prepared and still be conservative, right. And kind of hedge. But, you know, sometimes you just have to also be prepared for the unexpected. Today, you know, when I look back, it's kind of like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's really, it's not that bad. We spent a lot of nights, you know, weekends, <laughs> worked into the wee hours, right? But, you know, coming out of it, you just feel like, hey, there's a sense of accomplishment. And I'll tell you, I didn't even tell my parents <laughs> for the longest time that we were going to do this. So for like the last eight months, right? I had no interactions, no discussions, you know, my parents, like they're asking, oh, what have you been up to? And obviously, you know, with the pandemic, right? Staying at home, what have you guys been up to, right? And I just, I was like, oh, we're good and whatever, right? But we just, you know, like there was no mention of, oh yeah, you know, I, I just, I bought a house and I'm about to flip it, you know, because you can only imagine, right, <laughs> what their reaction would be to that. So um, I mean, I'm sure, especially during the pandemic, they're going to be calling you all the time, worrying about your investment. Like, oh my God, how's your project going? Oh my God, it's delayed by three months. I'm like, you don't need that. Like you already have exactly. these problems in your head. You don't need extra warriors to worry about your project for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, I knew that that would happen because I would say like right in the beginning, right? When I was kind of going through the learning stages and I was kind of bouncing these ideas off my parents, you know, typical, more traditional uh, you know, Asian families are always just like, hey, you know, go to school, work hard, uh, graduate, right? Go find a safe, secure job, right? And that was kind of the path, right, that they had set and expected, you know, out of me and my brother. So that's what we did, right? We both went to school, we both got our degrees, and, you know, and we started, you know, building our careers. But when you're talking about, hey, I'm going to invest a chunk of money, right? Whether if it be stocks, whether if it's real estate, or whether if I'm, you know, going to give my money to somebody, you know, somebody else out of state, right? They're like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. That's, that's really risky. Why would you do that? So I knew that they weren't ready to have that conversation. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it it's kind of sad to say I have the same background as you. So it was like, when I was talking about real estate investing, investing out of state, flipping houses here, sending like postcards to people to, you know, go directly to the sellers. My dad was like, no, like, don't be doing that. That's like not legal. You can't do that. And I'm like, it's legal. People do all the time. And then honestly, it wasn't until after I completed my first flip where I got a significant amount of profit and I had a very fat bank account. And of course, a very fat head to go with it. I was able to show him. I said, Hey dad, look, I'm doing okay for myself. Like, let me be. And he was actually very nice uh, after that. And it's been very supportive ever since. So it's been great. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, I just, you know, after we closed on the property, it really wasn't, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago that I just, you know, I slowly, like I told my mom first, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, I actually invested in the property and we flipped it. And she was like, oh wow. She's like, how did, you know, how'd you guys do? And all that kind of stuff. So she was, she was pretty happy about it. And then she was like, you probably should go tell your dad. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. But so tell him after the fact, right? After the results, like, oh yeah. yeah, I actually made money on it. It's good. And then, oh cool. Congratulations. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Yep, exactly. And then, and then you build your credibility that way. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Right. So what are your plans going forward? Yeah, you know, uh, honestly, if we come across another deal and the margins work out or, you know, if there's, you know, people out there, you know, like your listeners or anyone, you know, who, you know, may have deals, um, you know, definitely, you know, get in touch with me because I'm, you know, always, you know, looking for the next deal. 
um, whether if it's a flip, I'm obviously looking into, you know, buy and hold, you know, as well, whether if it's in state or out of state, you know, so I'm really keeping my options open because, you know, like I said, I'm still in the really, really early and infancy stages, right, of building, you know, my real estate career. So I want to keep myself open to as many options as possible. And, you know, I just want to keep, you know, continuing to be a student of the game here. So, so yeah, you know, completely open to what else is out there. That's great. Are you concerned at all about, you know, the fact that the COVID pandemic still hasn't finished we're still sheltered in place and the economy may or may not be taking a big dump in the next couple of months. Yeah, it's, it's really, really tough. And I mean, nobody has a crystal ball in front of them, right? So we don't know what the future, you know, is going to hold. Um, so all we can do is just life still has to go on, right? We still have to try and take care of ourselves and we still have to, you know, be prudent, right? When we continue to search for deals and evaluate, our margins and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I certainly, you know, I definitely want this to end as quickly as possible, right? So we can all go back to that state of normalcy, right? Like everyone's talking about, but who knows? Um, it could be, you know, a couple of months, a couple of years, nobody really knows how quickly the market is going to bounce back, right? And, and the economy in general. So just a lot of uncertainty, but then, you know, there's a school of thought, right? Where they say that wherever, you know, whenever there is uncertainty, right? There's a lot of opportunity. So that's what we're uh, hoping to capture. Absolutely. And very well said. Well, Kevin, this has been a great episode. Thank you so much for sharing your experience as a first time home flipper. Congratulations on your success and getting your project actually completed. Do you have any last tips for our listeners before we end our show today? Uh, you know what? You just kind of have to believe in yourself and just, you know, trust your gut. Um, sometimes, you know, you don't really know what's ahead of you, but you just got to take that first step and you just have to, you know, put your best foot forward and make things happen. Perfect. All right, Kevin, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, you know what? Facebook, you know, social media is the easiest way. So you can just find me, you know, just by my name, <laughs> Kevin Chow. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck on your next venture and definitely keep us updated when you have your next flip. Most definitely. Thank you so much, Sean. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review to get updated when the latest episode comes out. A brief summary of this podcast can be found in the show notes at everythingrei.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second, and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks, and have a great day.